Welcome to a new sponsor, A.N. Weber Incorporated. Now in their 76th year, Weber has offices in Kankakee, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, El Paso, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Whether you're looking for company equipment to haul dry van or flatbed freight or logistic services for all types of freight or even a career in driving, maintenance, or sales, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235. You can also apply online at anweber.com. Weber has immediate openings for drivers in all areas and mechanical technicians in Kankakee, Illinois, and El Paso, Texas. Weber is also looking for logistics agents across the country. Again, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235 or apply online at anweber.com. Hello, folks, and welcome to the 38th edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen. This episode is entitled, Meanwhile, Back in Shabans. Today, I'm going to talk about Israel, Hamas, Speaker of the House, Harvard University, the Lowell Observatory, and other material before finishing up with my latest opinion piece. I'd like to introduce a new sponsor, Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology, celebrating 30 years of practice. Dr. Hoffman specializes in general musculoskeletal conditions, neurology, sports injuries, acupuncture, electrodiagnostics, and comprehensive wellness management. Dr. Hoffman provides exceptional care for patients of all ages, from infants to elderly, from expected moms to athletes. Dr. Hoffman's goal is to provide all patients a tailored treatment plan based on an extensive history, a thorough exam, and x-rays. Contact Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology for more information or to schedule an appointment. The phone number is 815-937-0446. I know you're getting inundated with wall-to-wall coverage of the Israel situation, so I'll try to keep this report short. There are some things that just need to be discussed, though. The biggest question in my mind is what else is going on in the world that we aren't being told about? The coverage of the Israeli conflict is incredible. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has put 2,000 U.S. troops on standby to be ready to deploy within 24 hours. It's been stated our involvement would be to provide advice and medical backup, a box of kick-ass, in the form of the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group is in the Mediterranean Sea already, and another box of kick-ass is on the way with the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower and its escort ships. Biden has made it crystal clear in a recent speech that the U.S. will stand with Israel. While I agree with his sentiments, that shouldn't mean pouring exorbitant amounts of taxpayer money into Israel despite what Lindsey Graham blusters. Victor David Hansen, perhaps the smartest man in America, wrote an excellent commentary about the Israeli situation. The senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford stated that Hamas sorely miscalculated the impact of the terrorist attacks it has carried out. Few will pay any more attention to the squads of the world 
radical Jew haters, or the Democrat socialists after October 7th. They have all been revealed on the site of death for death's sake and cannot be reasoned with. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu delivered an address from Tel Aviv last week swearing every Hamas fighter will be destroyed. After what Hamas did to Israel, here's the hoping that Israel does wipe that blight off the face of the earth. A few days later, Iran warned of a preemptive strike against Israel, so now it appears the whole mess will escalate. Hamas, by the way, is a militant group of radical, testosterone-fueled zealots led by Ishmael Henye. They're sort of like our Democratic Party, if you think about it. It is one of the two major political organizations in the Palestinian territories, the other called Fatah. Hamas was founded in 1987 as a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Has anybody got any idea who's going to be our next Speaker of the House? But there is one silver lining to not having a Speaker. Congress can't vote to give a whole bunch of money we don't have to another country, despite how much Lindsey Graham whines. As of the date of writing the notes for this podcast, it now appears that Jim Jordan from Ohio might be the next Speaker of the House, replacing the ousted Kevin McCarthy. He might even be the man by the time you hear this podcast. I think, with the optimum word being think, I'd like the idea of Jim Jordan as the next speaker. He's always had a big bark, and perhaps a speaker position will give him some more bite for a change. Word of caution to you, though, Jim. If you're elected, it will be put up or shut up time. Democrats are offing up their fearless leader, Hakeem Jeffries, in case that Jordan vote doesn't work out. Awful white of you, Dems. We need Jeffries as speaker about as much as I need another apple pie. See if you can understand the irony, because evidently he didn't. My wife and I were recently driving north on Scottsdale Avenue, about five blocks south of the 101. The road at this point is six lanes wide, and it was rush hour, so traffic was heavy. We must have been traveling about five to ten miles per hour. On the right side of the road, I spied a man who is obviously contemplating jaywalking across those six lanes. In addition, he was jumpy as if he had to see a man about a job. Sure enough, he took off across the highway, putting life and limb in danger. But not to worry, folks, he had his COVID diaper on his face. So he must have thought he was safe. I kid you not. Did you catch 60 Minutes last Sunday night when Scott Pelley interviewed, and a term I use lightly, Joe Biden? As you might expect, the whole interview was nothing but a series of soft beach balls lobbed up at Biden to feebly remember answers to. The interview had the feel of being rehearsed, although Pelley did say afterward the 80-year-old Biden appeared tired from dealing with the Israel situation. The piece displayed everything crooked about our media when dealing with left-wing idologues. I know it would be better for my health if I stopped watching 60 Minutes. Suffice to say, Pelly is the token white guy on the show evidently assigned to lob beach balls. 
This podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Core Street Ford, now in their 40th year service in the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups. Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.corestreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Now I love this. Leslie and Abigail Wexner founded a nonprofit called the Wexner Foundation. The foundation has been giving money to Harvard University as if they need it. Well, that has officially been stopped. Wexner, who became a billionaire six times over with Victoria's Secret, is upset the school has been tiptoeing over the Hamas terror attacks on Israel. We are stunned and sickened by the dismal failure of Harvard's leadership to take a clear and unequivocal stand against the barbaric murders of innocent Israeli civilians, the Wexner Foundation's leaders wrote in a Monday letter to the Harvard Board of Overseers. This isn't the only fallout aimed at the university. Israeli billionaire Aiden Ofer and his wife quit a Harvard executive board in protest over how the university leaders have handled the situation. Hey, maybe Harvard will have to dip into its multi-billion dollar endowment to cover for their mistakes. Perhaps other universities might take note that it's time for the tail to stop wagging the dog with all these damn woke policies and oblivious students get an education on somebody else's dime. The wife and I, along with good friends, went to our first observatory experience this past weekend. Visiting the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, was an interesting experience, although next time I'll be more careful as to my timing. I initially bought tickets online for the 14th of October, made arrangements to have a nice dinner in hotel, planning on driving back the following day. I had no idea when I booked everything that the 14th was the day for the lunar eclipse combined with parents' weekend at Flagstaff's Northern Area University. What a mess. But on a dark, crisp, chilly night, we assaulted the Lowell Observatory, which was where the then-planet Pluto was first discovered. Initially named our ninth planet, it has since fallen out of planet status in 2016 and is now labeled a Plutoid. After a quick trip to the casino, we made our way first to the Giovanni Open Deck Observatory, where we stuck our eyeballs up to two different telescopes. The first was trained on the Andromeda Galaxy, which in itself was pretty spectacular. The Andromeda Galaxy is a galaxy closest to our own Milky Way. Did you catch what I just said there? I was standing on Earth looking outside the Milky Way at a neighboring galaxy many light years away. That is mind-blowing to me, particularly since we're on a collision course with this particular galaxy. The next telescope was trained on the brightest star in the sky that evening, the planet Jupiter. You could actually see the bands around Jupiter, some of which are storms that have been going on for centuries. Yep, I said centuries. The telescope was 
even powerful enough to see the moons of Jupiter. Did you know it would take 1,321 planet Earths to fill up one planet Jupiter? But those events paled in comparison to the Clark Refracting Telescope on Mars Hill. This telescope is 127 years old, folks, and is still being used. On this night, they had it pointed at Saturn, which we could see clearly with its rings. The 24-inch refracting telescope was built in 1896 for just $20,000. It was built in Boston by Alvin Clark and Sons, then shipped by train to Flagstaff. This is the same telescope Clyde Tombaugh used in 1930 to discover Pluto. Of note, Tombaugh's ashes were left on Pluto by the spacecraft New Horizons. The closest Pluto ever gets to the Earth is 2.66 billion miles from us, and a man looking at a telescope all the way back in 1930 discovered the planet. Wrap your head around that tidbit of information. On the way back from Flagstaff, we went over and stood on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. We'd been there before. It's nostalgic to be there. But I have to think if Jackson Brown had ever written that song, Winslow might have dried up by now. One of the souvenir shops had some nice Eagles memorabilia to look at, including a nice piece that I offered to buy. But alas, they weren't selling. I have to wonder what sense it makes to run a souvenir shop and not sell the items in the store. Oh well, they're a loss. An internet site by the name of History Daily was kind enough to let us know about the so-called famous people who are pulling for Biden in 2024. Notable rocket scientists Bruce Springsteen, Lady Gaga, Beyonce Carter, Tom Hanks, Steph Curry, Ellen DeGeneres, LeBron James, I'm about done, Eva Longoria, Jennifer Lopez, Dwayne Johnson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Samuel Jackson, John Legend, and Robert De Niro are all pulling for the Biden crime syndicate. I gave you this list just in case you want to ensure that never again does one dollar of your hard-earned money go towards those noted left-leaners who obviously do not have our best interest in mind. Did you know last November archaeologists think they discovered the tomb of Santa Claus? This caught my eye because, well, I sometimes get told I look like Ernest Hemingway or Jerry Garcia or Santa Claus. For the record, I prefer Garcia. Anyway, a team at the St. Nicholas Church in Demry, Turkey, found a shrine buried beneath the mosaic of the tiled floors of the church. If it is what they think it is, it will be the grave of St. Nicholas of Myra, the inspiration for Santa Claus. Historical records have long maintained that St. Nick was buried at the church, but searches of the grounds proved wasted. Others thought the remains had been smuggled out of the church during medieval times. There was an empty grave in the building, plus there was a man buried in Italy thought to be St. Nick during the Crusades. Then someone thought to look beneath the floors where they found the shrine. In the shrine was a tomb, and hopefully, the remains of jolly old St. Nick. In the 4th century, there was a Greek bishop by the name of St. Nicholas of Myra. He was known for leaving gifts for loved ones around the holidays, especially the kiddos. He popularized the tradition of gifts around the holidays. He very well may lie in that tomb. 
Another federal judge has issued another outrageous gag order on Donald Trump because he is speaking out about another sham trial. This judge, Tanya Chutkin, is a Washington, D.C. judge where Trump doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of getting a fair trial. And wouldn't you know it, she's an Obama appointee. In case you have your Trump trials mixed up, this is the sham indictment against Trump for having presidential documents at his home, Mar-a-Lago, in Palm Beach, Florida. You see, it's perfectly fine for Biden to store presidential documents in his garage in Delaware, but under our two-tiered system of justice, it's illegal for Trump to do the same, according to the deep state that is trying to hang anything they can on Trump, since it's illegal to actually hang Trump. And evidently, Chuckin takes her marching orders from the deep state. No, Judge, but Trump's First Amendment right does. You see, in this country, we're supposed to have freedom of speech. That's unless you're Trump or associated with Trump, then you're supposed to shut up. And Chuckin made that clear when she also said, one could come away from these arguments with a mistaken understanding that the First Amendment is an absolute right that is false. The First Amendment yields to the administration of justice. What she didn't say is it yields to dishonest federal judges, too, of which this country has far too damn many corrupt judges. She didn't like it that Trump referred to federal hack prosecutor Jack Smith as a thug or stating General Mark Milley committed treason. Truth or rights, but doesn't seem to matter too much to this Jamaica-born judge. Well, that probably added another couple percent to Trump's lead in the polls. Speaking of Obama, anybody recall when, October 30th, 2008, Obama said while giving a speech, We are just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, five months earlier, his then-life partner, Michelle, spoke out by saying, We're going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our history and our traditions. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. 25 years later, it is appallingly apparent they meant it. And they did it. And still are to some degree. I mention this as A, a reminder of where we are at in society today. And B, there are rumors if Joe doesn't run for president, they may throw Michelle up there as a candidate. Do you own a full-size Chevy or Ford pickup truck or a Honda Civic? According to the National Insurance Crime Bureau, you drive a vehicle that was most popular with car thieves in 2022. According to the Highway Lost Data Institute, whatever the hell that is, the Dodge Charger HSRT Hellcat, the Dodge Charger Hemi, the Infiniti Q50, the Dodge Challenger, and the Land Rover are the top vehicles for theft. One might have thought the two organizations could have gotten together to produce one list, but uh, what do I know? I'm from Chabance. Hey, a library in Larchmont, New York, got a nice surprise recently. A book that was overdue by just a mere 90 years was recently returned. It had been due October the 11th, 1933. Evidently, Joni Morgan discovered the book called You and Two Other Stories by Joseph Conrad in her deceased stepfather's belongings and sent it back. Just last year, a New Jersey man returned a book named Hitler to his local library that he had taken out 75 years earlier. 
Hey, I just ordered two tickets to the new Dinesh D'Souza film to be seen next Wednesday at a theater near me. Called Police State, the chilly new documentary will not be pretty for the FBI. Miranda Devine of the New York Post said, It's 1984 all over again in Biden's police state. D'Souza will explain, in his clear way of reporting, how the FBI artificially inflated domestic terrorism statistics after the January 6th protest by splitting single cases into multiple files. In the film, former Trump speechwriter Darren Beatty states, We're becoming China plus drag queens. D'Souza will show how the FBI is starting to track MAGA folks, those people supporting Trump, such as yours truly. The FBI evidently has created a new subcategory of threat, agave other, defined as domestic violent extremists who cite anti-government or anti-authority motivations, and from there the explanation is a complete word salad that must have been created by Giggles Harris. One FBI agent told D'Souza that our elected officials have characterized January 6th as the worst event happening in the history of the country since the Civil War. Talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. Congress and the deep state are just upset that we the people struck back. Having seen other D'Souza documentaries, I'm excited to see this one and will report back on the show. Speaking of libraries, I will be hosting an author signing for my new book, Roll Me Away, at the Bourbonnet, Illinois Library on December the 9th from 10 to noon. I will also be at the Phoenix Barnes & Noble at Desert Ridge on October 27th from 2 to 6. These are the first author events scheduled of what will more than likely be many others. I'm close to scheduling events at the Love's Truck Stop chain in a few locations also. One might think lining up author events would not be that difficult. Yeah, well, one would be wrong. The managers of some of the stores and libraries completely ignore you, as if you're a bother. Obviously, this does not include all of them, as I have two events booked, but I've been waiting a couple of weeks for about 20 others to get back to me. One bookstore wanted $250 up front and a percentage of the books sold. I guess I want to be appearing there. This episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance? who supports programs like mine. You can depend on the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075, or you can look them up on their website and save on insurance at grinsure.com. And now for my latest commentary, Meanwhile, Back in Chemance. My cousin Chris and I had just come off a pop bottle run and we're now lounging on the bottom shelf of the magazine rack in Harry's Chabance Variety Store. The year was 1969 and it was one hot summer. We didn't know it at the time, but Neil Armstrong was fixing to walk on the moon. Our legs were sprawled out into the aisle of the cramped store. We had traded in the pop bottles we had found alongside roads and bridges plus a few we might have purloined from the backyard of unsuspecting housewives, and we're now enjoying the fruits of our morning travails. 
This was a common theme for us over that summer. Cash in hand from our endeavors, we would buy ourselves each a pack of Topps baseball cards with the pink bubblegum, which were just five cents. A Mars bar, also five cents, and an RC Cola for about 10 to 12 cents at the time. Usually, we could only afford one bottle, so we split it between us. If I recall, at the time, we drank RC Cola because it came in a 16-ounce bottle rather than the puny 12-ounce Pepsi and Coke bottles. Anyway, there we sat, enjoying the air conditioning, helping ourselves to any one of the variety of magazines carried at the store. We'd leave chocolate prints on the corners from our Mounders Bar fingers. Chris usually had some on his face as well. We only read those periodicals that dealt with some of the more important points in the life of 12-year-olds, such as Mad Magazine or Eerie Magazine, which usually had a picture of Godzilla or Dracula on the cover, or perhaps a Sports Illustrated if it was baseball season, and they had a Chicago Cubs player listed. So there we sat, much to the consternation of Harry's Aunt Bob, who ran the store. She throw us out some soon, or the first time someone tripped over our feet. Everyone called her Aunt Bob, and now that I think about it, I have no idea if she was really somebody's aunt, nor why they called her Aunt Bob. Update, one reader originally from Shabazz let me know why she was Aunt Bob to him, so now I know. Thanks, Steve. Chris looked at me a while at the same time holding his hand out, signifying his turn for a swallow. Grinning, I took one big swig and belched. Aunt Bob gave me a disgusted look. Chris says, Webb? Everyone called me Webb when not calling me a derogatory name. You really think the Cubs can win the pennant this year? I handed the bottle over to him as I comprehended the weight of his very important question. I pondered my answer for a few more seconds, wincing when he wiped the top of the bottle with his t-shirt so as not to catch my germs. I made a mental note right there to leave some backwash in the next time I took my swig. Well, Chris, I began slowly, it all compends. I used the word compends rather than depends. Nobody had ever told me any different. On what? Chris asked. At this point, I should tell you that I really suspected Chris was still a White Sox fan but wouldn't admit it. He was just warming up to becoming a Cubs fan because they were having a good year. He had to be asking me that question only because he knew more about the Sox than the Cubs and he was hedging his allegiances. Well, I began, eating my last bite of that Mars bar which I can still taste to this day. If San Juan Banks keeps hitting those homers and Williams and Becker can keep batting those batting averages up, I think they can. Chris didn't say anything, but I could tell he was thinking. He had this funny way of scrunching up his face when he was thinking. I also noticed he still had his hand wrapped tightly around that RC bottleneck. Oh, and Jenkins' arm don't fall off, I said, reaching for the bottle. A short time later, I was paging through Mad, looking for more spy versus spy cartoons the editor scribbled on the sides and tops of the pages when a thought came to me. Chris, I said, you a Democrat? Why, yes, he answered indignantly, licking his finger to turn the page of Erie. I'm no Nixon lover. I nodded in unison before asking him another question. You know why we're Democrats? 
Chris thought some more before answering. While he was thinking, I unwrapped my baseball cards to see who I got, a ritual that always had to be done at last so as to get the luck to get a Cubs player. I secretly wished to get New York Yankees players too, but never told Chris that him being a Closet White Sox fan and all. At the time, I think I owned about five different Mickey Mantle cards. Chris answered, Grandpa Weber said we were. He said if the Democrat Party was good enough for those Kennedy boys and that Adlai Stevenson fella, then it was good enough for us. Continuing, he said, Then Grandpa said President Johnson was the greatest president this country has ever known. This information from our grandfather made it official. I nodded, content in the fact that me and Chris were Democrats just like the rest of our family. I really had no idea who that Stevenson fellow was, but since I was older than Chris, I didn't want him to know of my lack of knowledge. But I know I didn't like that Nixon guy, though. Not one bit. Grandpa said so. Funny how life changes your perspective on things. Hey, that's all I got for you, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. If you like to advertise on this podcast, please let me know. I could always use more sponsors. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now. Bye now.